This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You gotta respect the man who wants to be out there. Madrigal at second. Liam Hendricks saves another. He did quick work of the Baltimore Orioles. And there is the four-game sweep for the Sox. Eagles. That's why we have Scott Merkin on. Welcome in, welcome back. Saturday suckage on Monday. We go to the score hotline brought to you by Alpamani Nissan. Alpamani Nissan in Melrose Park on North Avenue or apnissan.com. Taking it easy. Scott Merkin, MLB.com. He covers the White Sox. Scott, the raging question is how many home runs does Billy Home Run Hamilton have to hit before he can pimp one? And will Tony La Russa say that disrespects the game and give the opponent the okay to throw at Billy Hamilton? Welcome, I'm, Scott. I'm still trying to hear the rest to take it easy before uh, yeah. before I answer the question there, but it sounds like it was, it was potted down at this point. Uh, I, I think it's a great story, isn't it? I mean, you know, it's funny. The last three home runs he's hit have been a guaranteed right field, right? He had the two for the Sox, and then he hit one for the Cubs in the last game of the 2020 regular season. So that must be his... Uh, must be his power venue there is on the south side of Chicago. <laughs> and and how he does it with uh with that swing, Scott, that like three quarter, all I want to do is place it like hit a single and turn it into a triple type of swing. So God bless Billy Hamilton. You know, it reminds me of uh, Kenny Williams talked about this way back when, like one of my first years covering the team, like oh four or something like that, where you know, he thought like for the the best way to assemble the bench was just get, and I'm not slighting anyone who's a major league player. You're a great player just to be there, but get like the best available talent and just load the bench with the best available talent. And I think, you know, Kenny Williams and Rick Hahn and the White Sox and, and all the good teams have learned that it's, it's how it fits. You know, it's, it's, they're all good players. So it's guys who make the most sense for what you need on the team, you know, like a Danny Mendick or a Billy Hamilton or Leary Garcia, you know, guys who can really supplement, and because they're not going to, you know, play every day, they're going to play maybe three times a week, you know, maybe a little more recently because of injuries and that kind of thing. But guys who, when they in there, when they're in there can give you exactly what you need. And when they're not in there in a short period of time, they can help you win too. It's a Rubik's cube. And the 2005 Sox showed you that, like who would have yeah. guessed, but they had a bunch of guys who were, you know, 
a bunch of guys who had been traded and been dealt by one or two teams and been been unwanted and like, oh my God, look, it's coming together, that kind of stuff. So it is. It's a Rubik's cube every year. It's not just the bullpen. And who would have believed that Cots and Polite would be those kinds of heroes and your third closer? That's what happens every year. And don't forget, you know, Hermanson was a, a you know a free agent who you know didn't command a huge amount of money, and he saved what. 32 before he had back issues. And then they had a guy who was, you know, um, let go by the angels who was known to be a hard thrower, but you know, they weren't sure if he could, you know, or how he'd fit in. And he ends up Bobby Jenks, you know, becoming one of the greatest closers in white Sox history and recording the last out of a world series sweep. So it's all, it's about, you know, it's a lot about, don't overlook even in this great day of, you know, sabermetrics and stat cast and everything else, you know, scouting and just judging how, you know, if you've built something as strong as the White Sox have built, judging how these guys are going to fit into what you have built, too. Yeah, and yesterday it looked the way it's supposed to, where your starter, in this case, Lucas Giolito, goes seven strong, strikes out 12. You put Garrett Crochet in for the eighth. He's perfect there. A one-two-three save in the ninth for Liam Hendricks. So that's the way it's supposed to look. That said, what... Is there anything new on Michael Kopech and the hamstring? And I know he was on bereavement. Is there any update whatsoever on Mr. Kopech? Not that we've heard. You know, I'm, I'm in Cleveland right now, but we have not met with uh, Tony LaRusso. We'll met via Zoom with Tony LaRusso yet this morning. So I'm sure that will be one of the first updates when we do get to talk to him. Um, you know, it, it's interesting because I know Liam Hendricks, you know, a very um, charismatic character and wants to pitch all the time. But I think I, I get that Tony LaRusso has a very good focus and win the day that you're playing. You know, don't worry about Thursday when you can win on Sunday or Monday or win two today, as a matter of fact. But, I, you know, I, I understand that Hendricks has thrown a lot of innings. He's a converted starter. But I think you also have to keep in consideration, you know, like, and, and they are, you know, like September and October, it looks like, too, for this team. You know, you don't want to pitch so many times in a series like this where, you know, his, he's dragging a little bit at the end. But, again, he knows what he's got to do, and they know what they have to do. But, yeah, we'll find out a little more on – I would assume we'll assume we'll find out a little more on Michael Kopech today, or a lot more on Michael Kopech today. Good. Our guest is Scott Merkin, covers MLB – covers the Sox for MLB.com. And speaking of that, as long as we're on the, the, the idea of looking at October yeah. and we're, we're still in May, Lucas Giolito, 108 pitches, seven innings, 12 Ks. I mean, he was – that's what horses do. That's what aces do. That's what your guy has to do. But there's always the concern when a guy goes over 100 pitches, does Tony La Russa know what he's doing? So what did you make of what happened yesterday and how Lucas Giolito was allowed to go on and, and I guess, save the bullpen other than the three guys, who the two guys who were going to pitch the two innings that were needed, and that's the way it played out? Yeah, it's, you know, witness that he said to – I was off yesterday, but he had said to reporters that there was a limited amount of guys who were available in the bullpen. So Giolito kind of knew that. And he went out and did what he had. You know, it's not like he threw 120 pitches. He threw, you know, kind of what a normal start is. They they cut Lance Lynn short the day before in the doubleheader because he's, you know, right now scheduled to throw on short rest on Wednesday afternoon here in a, at Progressive Field. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, Giolito is, is a workhorse. Giolito has had a really good season. And, you know, I, I always like the people who say like, well, if you take, you know, the guy's 0 for 40 stretch away, he's hitting 326 right now. Well, you can't take <laughs> 0 for 40. But, 
But in honesty with Lucas Giolito, you take that one Boston starter away, and he really is the rest of the year the number one starter they envision. You know, he's been phenomenal. I mean, so that one you can really look at that and just say, geez, that was just an off day. Even the best of them have him like Lucas Giolito is right now, and he's been tremendous the rest of the way. And, he, you know, that, that's a sign of a guy who's a top-of-the-rotation guy, and they have a lot of those guys who look in that same, you know, direction that when you know going in, you know, the bullpen's limited. We need you to, to push it, and he did and was tremendous. You know, we're, we're so obsessed, Scott Merkin, with discussing what the Cubs should do at the trade deadline because it's 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 just fascinating, you know, whether you buy or you sell. And presumably the White Sox would be, you know, p- possibly a buyer at the trade deadline. What part of their team do you think they would augment if they decide to go in that direction come July 31st? Yeah, I think it's safe to say the Sox are not going to be sellers. That that we can, uh, <laughs> we can assume that one. Yeah, the, going back to the Cubs, really are an interesting case, aren't they? Because of the great yeah. May they had, and now you know what do you do with all the the free? You know, Craig Kimbrell, Chris Bryant, that whole crew there. You know, the Sox. I think again, you go back to what Rick Hahn said during either you know the Luis Robert. Um, Zoom after the injury or after the Loy Jimenez injury, and that you know that they're always looking to improve. And if both those guys were healthy and playing, they'd be looking to improve. But again, you know, this is a plan for them. You can only win this year. You can only win 2021. But this is a plan for them multiple years. You know, I mean, this is not a one-off thing. And then okay, we'll refigure things in 2022. You know, they they want to be in contention for four or five years. So I think if there's some sort of big player available who would fit, but it's decimating what you have right now and the guys you have together, they're not going to do that. So, you know, I think they're going to add on. I think it also depends, you know, that they're soon, I think Rick Hahn said 12 weeks for both uh, Aloy Jimenez and Luis Robert. So soon we'll, we'll find out more about, you know, where Aloy Jimenez is in terms of his recovery and what the future holds this season. I think it'll be a little bit after that for Luis Robert, but you know, that probably, because I mean, you get one of those two guys back even. Let's just, you know, err on the side of, of lower caution there. And that's like adding someone at the trade deadline, right? Adding a huge presence at the trade deadline, assuming they're 100% healthy. So I, I think, you know, uh, a left-handed bat always seems to, to fit in that lineup, especially with Eaton nursing some injuries and having, you know, probably because of those injuries, having not hit as well of late. But, again, I, I just don't think they're going to, you know, give up huge pieces in order to get some make some sort of major impact. It's, it's going to be – a kind of a balancing, kind of a juggling act for them as the trade deadline approaches. So what would you trade for Chris Bryant and bring him to the south side? Well, the only issue with that is, I mean, Chris Bryant's a, what, what a great, I, I can say kid because I'm considerably older than him. So yeah, what a great <laughs> kid is, what a great, what a great representative of any organization he is. Tremendous player, you know, has come back to where he was two years ago. But, you know, he's, I would just guess, you know, no matter if he gets traded, he's going free agency, right? So, you know, he's earned that right. And he's going to, after what shaping up as a great season, is going to explore the market. So you have to temper that, too. In that case, you're basically trading for someone who's going to, you know, possibly help you win this year, but may not help you pass this year. So you got to, you know, figure out on, on that end how much you're willing to give up. And the interesting thing for the Sox is, you know, most of their main young guys now are at the major league level. So you look at the prospects, and you have some guys who are having good seasons. You know, Jake Berger is a great story in Charlotte. Gavin Sheets is having a great run in Charlotte. But how much at this point with these guys really just getting going? Or you, you can go to Kannapolis and some of the younger pitchers like Andrew Dahlquist and Matthew Thompson and Jared Kelly down there. How much do these guys rate, you know, in terms of at this point, 
when you're making a trade because the main guys that they have now are all contributing at the major league level. Yeah, right, but the good, news, the, the good news, Scott, though, is the Cubs only won guys who were just now in T-ball. So I think that <laughs> I, I think that plays to the advantage of the Sox. What all right, we, go ahead. I want to go. Maybe someone's son you can trade for then yeah, in that case right. or the rights when yeah. they start playing. I, yeah. I'm, I'm testing this proposal I have in real time. Just listen to Scott Merkin <laughs> oh, talk. So, so let's go around the room here. Um, Andrew Vaughn and Garrett Crochet to the Cubs for Chris Bryant. Oh, I think that's nothing against Chris Bryant, but I think that's an awful lot for a guy who's, for, who's just going to play for the rest of the year. A great kid, like I said, <laughs> great guy, great player. But, I mean, Andrew Vaughn is, you know, I mean, he's going to be a, a, a special player. I mean, look what he's done in left field with, you know, basically three games and some training site experience in Schaumburg last year, and he looks like a natural out there. Great plate presence. And, you know, Crochet has been talked about as a starter, but if not, he's going to be a valuable piece in the bullpen. So, I, I, you know, I think maybe maybe Crochet straight up for Bryant, but I think yeah. even that would be a little much. So, yeah, it would not be Andrew Vaughn. And I, I, I don't claim to know uh, what Rick is thinking one way or the other, or Kenny and Rick or whoever else is, you know, in on the trades there, but I can guarantee you they're not going to make that deal. That's pretty Speak. amazing that, that yeah. we've gotten to the point where, Aunt, like, Andrew Vaughn, who took so long to hit that first home run, he just didn't know. Like, and all of a sudden, he's kind of become an, an, an untouchable. Like, and not just based on what you're saying, but people all of a sudden, like, watching the broadcast and listening to people around the White Sox, like, Andrew Vaughn, and he was gone. He was going to hit third if there wasn't a rain delay the other day. So it's pretty right. amazing the progress that Andrew Vaughn ha- has made with the fans, with the organization, and, and as you're saying, pro- probably even with the future with the White Sox. Yeah, I think, he, to be honest with you, I think he was an untouchable, an, an untouchable, an untouchable? He was an untouchable even last season. I think, you know, I know there were teams that asked about him at the trade deadline last year, and the Sox huh. just hold him in such high esteem that they see him as a guy who's you know, going to contribute big time for the next five or six years. And again, like if you were to you're going to make a trade for Chris Bryant, you would have, you'd almost have to be like in the Dodgers position, you know, to make something like that, where you knew that like that one piece was going to give you, uh-huh. you, you can't guarantee anything, but you know, it would I give gotcha. you the push to go to the world series. And again, I mean, the Sox right now could be a world series team and that's without Jimenez and Robert, but I mean, you don't know, you don't know. Things change when it comes to the playoff time. So you see what happens then. All right, Scott, the, Let's get back to today. The only doubleheader the Sox can sweep today is today's doubleheader. That's in right. One. So, Rodon, okay, we like that. Now the Cubs and the Cubs. The Sox have called up Jimmy Lambert and his 7.71 ERA, but his 23 Ks and 11 and two-thirds innings, his 1.46 whip. And there's your other starter. I I don't. I don't know that this is – explain the call-up. I can't believe this is the best pitcher, the most most game-ready, let's-win-today pitcher that the Sox have, but I could be wrong. Can you explain, Lucy? Yeah, I think he's um, – you know, he's a, he's a talented kid, first of all, and he's a guy who Tony La Russa talked about even in spring training that, you know, when people were guessing if maybe he could earn a bullpen spot, Tony La Russa said, you know, him and Jonathan Stever were going to go to the minors and stretch out a little bit as a starter. It's a seven-inning game as well, so they probably, you know, don't expect him to go six, five, six innings. You know, it could be a three- or four-inning start and go from there. Michael Kopech obviously was the guy for today, but, you know, targeted before he had the injury and before he went on the bereavement list. 
But Tony LaRusso also made that clear the other day that it was not going to be Kopech. So, you know, apparently he is the guy, next guy in line. You know, they had Seaver up very briefly, and he, I believe he pitched yesterday. Lopez, for right now, does not seem to be in that mix. So Seaver's a guy who had a, you know, he's very, they're very high on him in the organization. He started last year, and I think he had a couple good outings, and then he had arm issues and came back and looked good in spring training. So, yeah, I think it's, again, it's just kind of the next man up, you know, in a, in a seven-inning doubleheader game. It's not like they're adding him to the rotation. I would expect that he pitches, you know, whatever it is, game one or game two today, and then goes back to Charlotte for more, more work and more innings. But, yeah, he's a, he's a talented kid. He's de- the organization definitely is very high in him. I know it sounds kind of like organization speak, but it really is true. They really do think highly of Jimmy Lambert. And I, I wouldn't go so much by the Charlotte ERA or anything like that. I think it's, it's more about development when you're at that level than kind of sheer results. Scott, the, the White Sox today wake up in first place in the American League Central. Cleveland is three and a half back of the Sox. Minnesota is 11 games back and in dead last place, even behind Detroit right now. However, I have heard several Sox fans and even Lawrence Holmes and Steve Stone talking on the radio station last week still expressing a little bit of concern over the Minnesota Twins because they've been hurt before in the past. Should White Sox fans be worried about Minnesota, or shouldn't it just be Cleveland that is their primary nemesis for this year in terms of the division battle? Yeah, I think you know you really can't. This sounds cliche, but you can't count a team out then they're then, until they're officially gone. But I will say. You know, the Twins are better than what their record is. There's no question in my mind on that. But the bottom line is now they're still like a week away, if not two weeks, from just getting to 500. And you can't even really count a team into anything. I mean, th- there's great parity in baseball this year, but I don't think any team under 500 is going to make the playoffs, you know, especially the way the Sox are playing right now. So, you know, I-, I don't go by you need to get to a certain win total to get in. You just need to have one more win than the team behind you, right? But you got to get to 500 first. And the Twins just have not, you know, they had a little run where they were like 6-1, and one, and then they lost, I believe, the series to Kansas City over the weekend. So, yeah, I mean, I think they're still there, but, you know, you don't have to really consider them right now. They're 11 games out of first place. That's a long way to make up with no head-to-head games coming up for a little bit between the two teams. Yeah, I mean, it, the Sox are the best team at division, even without Jimenez, even without Robert, even right now without Kopech. They're, you know, Cleveland can pitch. There's no question about that. They just don't hit consistently enough. Kansas City is, you know, kind of a nice story early on, but I don't think they're in it until the end. And then Detroit is rebuilding, and Minnesota's, you know, been one of the more disappointing teams in baseball with injuries and some COVID issues. So, you know, I really think right now, and it's it's still a little early to say, but here at Memorial Day, I think it's the Sox division to lose, basically, right now. And we're standing on a corner in Winslow, Arizona. Such a fine sight to see. Scott, thanks yeah, for your time. I, I almost, went to, uh, almost went to Winslow during spring training, but was talked out of it because people told me all there is there is basically the Glenn Fry statue and the shirts, and that's it. So. Well, that's fine, though. You need to get your picture taken at the statue, right? If you can, people yeah, I can show I can, up at Wrigley just to get their picture taken with, or, or the south side just to get their picture taken with a statue, then that corner of winslow arizona such a fine sight to see yes <laughs> well maybe maybe next spring training i'll make the trip how far is it from from i think three um, hours from what people tell me i think it's three hour drive well you can listen to the best of the eagles all the way down and back <laughs> you really get in the mood to get out there i got gotcha. you thanks scott we appreciate okay, it okay take care guys Scott Merkin, MLB.com. He covers the White Sox um, and an affinity for the Eagles as we talk about 
being your social Sherpas and cultural zeitgeist that we, we started this with Jason Benetti as your cultural zeitgeist Sherpa and all of his references and references to references. So we talked about the, the White Sox in Cleveland and, Cle- and Scott said Cleveland can pitch. One guy who can't pitch is Zach Plesak because he broke his thumb while, quote, rather aggressively taking off his undershirt. That's their story, and Terry Francona is sticking by it. He caught his thumb on a locker chair, allegedly. Um, this leads to something that seems perfect for our marathon show today. Mark, another laughable baseball injury. Let's take a trip down through the yearbook, yearbook of laughable baseball injuries. Shall we do this after this break? Oh, uh, you got a list for us, huh? I do. I have a list. I have fun. Some you'll remember. Some I remembered. Some I didn't. And the, the last one I will share with you is legendary. So I yeah. love it. And later on, later on, Steve, a little what yes. mark heard, we're going to have bears. There will be lots of bears talk within that segment. I think we need to do that at the top of the hour. We'll do that. Great. We'll do what Mark heard. Give it the full hour. You know, the full... Actually... Given, given the way things are playing out now, we're going to have the next 85 days on the air, so we'll give the next 40 over to what Mark heard. Great. Okay? All right. Yep. <laughs> it's Saturday, 2nd John Monday. Whatever the day is, we suck so you don't have to. Thanks for listening. Rosenblum and Grody, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Oh, Billy. Oh, Billy. Talk about the White Sox. Scott Merkin, last segment. Christopher Kamka, the Sultan of the Stat, NBC Sports Chicago, tweeted out this. The White Sox held the Orioles to 0 for 26 with runners in scoring position over the last series. It's the first time they held an opponent hitless with runners in scoring position in a four-game series since September 1st through the 4th in 2005 against the Tigers. They held them to 0 for 14. 2005 turned out okay, if I recall, Mark Rohde. Turned out Yes. Okay. <clears throat> so there's your harbinger and your omens and all that kind of stuff. God, Baltimore so, is just god-awful, though. I mean, right. they're like legit, a, legit right. 13 in a row bad. <laughs> right. <laughs> and 3-1 and one would not have done against that team. You're the White Sox. You, we're going to sweep them, and they did, and that's the way it works, and and accept your sweep. That's why I said accept your accept sweep. Accept your this sweep. Season. Thank you, Joe Madden. Yeah, there it's going go. to happen, and it did. Yeah, it was a must sweep. Like, if you, if yeah, three out of four would have been, like, bad. That would have been awful. Right. So this is Saturday Suckage on Monday. And in keeping with the Saturday Suckage tone, uh, telling Mark we were going to do what Mark heard at the top of the hour, my producer says, no, we're not. We're doing Michael Cerami of Bleacher Nation to talk some Cubs. So we're gonna. That's the way programming works. We've already had a programming meeting on the air, trying to figure out if we had Lou Brown saying, "Vaughn, give me Vaughn, give me Vaughn." Yeah, give me Vaughn. So we talked about Zach Plesac, the pride of Crown Point, Indiana. Now he was one of the guys last year who broke protocol, COVID protocol, and lied about it, and got sent to his room without dinner. So. He just was put on a 10-day injured list for breaking his thumb when he, quote, rather aggressively take, took off his undershirt. 
really. Like, nobody believes that because it's Zach mm-hmm. Plesak. So that's the injury report. They're sticking with it. So I look, I started going, okay, what are the other injuries? Because this always this happens from time to time, and we have a chance. So maybe you remember this, Mark. John Smoltz, now a, a, a broadcaster, works with Jack Buck. John Smoltz injured himself while trying to iron his shirt while he was wearing it. Smoltz Smoltz disputes the iron part. What he claims is he got too close to a fabric steamer, so he put on a wrinkled shirt, and he wasn't using an iron, but he hurt himself with a fabric steamer. Whatever, he did something while he's wearing the shirt. If not an iron, a fabric steamer, and he got injured. Now, I don't know. I know you'll remember Rich Harden, right? The Cubs, he was going to be a savior at some point for the Cubs. Oh, yeah, he's the one that got me yelled at by Jim Hendry. But go on. Tell me. No, wait. We need to hear this before we get on to a a classic Rich Harden injury. What? Oh, yeah, no. Jim Hendry, who who was a very likable guy, but he had... He had what we call a red ass every once in a while. Like he sometimes would scold columnists or reporters and things like that. So very affable guy, a guy who when you called him, he would pick up the phone 90% of the time and he would talk yep. to you. Wasn't, you know, it was pretexting and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, I don't know that I needed to give that disclaimer, but this is when the Cubs had acquired Rich Harden. You remember, and we all remember Rich Harden. Rich Harden from the Oakland A's, who was a hard-throwing guy who, you know, when he came to the Cubs, had had a minimal success, struck out a bunch of guys, all of that stuff. But when he came, we and this was I was at BBM at the time, full time for WBBM, covering just like everything, and I was told we had gotten a report that Rich Harden's uh, velocity was down, and so. I went up to Jim Hendry and I said, this is on the infield at Wrigley Field. And I said, hey, Jim, can I get a couple moments with you, you know, on mic? So he's like, yeah, sure, buddy. Let's, let's go. Let's talk. Let's talk. Come, you know, we walk to the middle of the infield and we're just talking. And, and the first question was, yeah, so we have a source that says that the velocity is down for Rich Harden. And Jim Hendry was like, he looks at me and he goes, turn that thing off. Turn off that, that, that thing. <laughs> now you're in for it. And I'm like, ugh. And uh, so I turn it off, and he just lost it. He was like, I don't know where you guys are coming up with this. Like, and he's red in the face, and he's like right up against my face, like spit coming out, like, like just enraged, like disproportionately enraged with that. Like, well, I don't know where you guys come up with this crap. And blah, blah. and I and I was like, Jim, that's why I'm asking you. That's why I'm asking you. <laughs> About a report. I'm not even reporting it. I'm asking you about this sort of... And, uh, and then that was it for the interview. And, uh, and later on, I saw him in the, in the clubhouse. I think it was after the game. And he was walking through like he was wont to do. And, he, and we just saw, saw each other. He's like, he's like, it's all good. It's all good. You know, bygones. I was like, all right. The media cool. really is, is, is terrible, man. Yeah. But it was, it was alarming just because it was early in the day. It's like... It, it was like 11.30 or so. It's my first interview of the day, and, you know, he's so accessible, and then he's in my face. And, by the way, Rich Harden's velocity had dropped. And Rich Harden is the guy who, in this case, suffered a strained shoulder turning off his alarm clock. 
<laughs> that is such a Rich Harden thing. It happens. I, yeah. So remember last year, shortly before the Cubs were set to report to summer camp, you know, following the COVID-19 shutdown, Jose Quintana washing dishes at, at, ho- yes. at his home and a laceration of his left thumb needed five stitches. There's uh-huh. an injury for you. In 2019, Yoenis Cespedes, they had all kinds of lies. The Mets were lying about this. Let Mets were lying about how did he injure himself? Where is he? What is he? Is he all playing golf? He had an interaction with a wild boar, and he suffered an injury on <laughs> in his right ankle. I believe that one. Yeah, right. So Trevor, Trevor Bauer, boy, is as weird and, and fun and honest as they come, it seems. Sliced his right pinky. Do you remember how he sliced his right pinky in 2016 when he was in Indian and they would go to the World Series? Do you remember no. how? He had a new on- toy, didn't he? He had a drone, and he sliced his very good. Oh Mike yeah, Rankin. the drone. Yes, yes. Right, his right pinky finger got sliced yes. by the propellers. Okay, I, I didn't remember. I, I did not remember this, but Jeremy Affelt, I remember him mostly as a, as a Royal and then as a Giant. In 2011, the left-handed pitcher cut his hand while, trying to separate frozen hamburger patties for a barbecue. Oh, that's good. I couldn't even get that out. That's good. The next season in May, so twenty May 2012, Affelt sprained his right knee when his four-year-old son jumped into his arms. Oh, oh, oh. Wow. oh blame the kid. Blame yeah, the kid. right. Boy, bullpens uh, are really, bullpens are fragile. Oh, uh, my God. You covered Chris Coughlin was on on the Cubs teams you covered, right? Wasn't Chris Coughlin a Cubs? Chris Coughlin. Coughlin, I meant, yeah. Coughlin, yeah. yeah. In 2010, yeah. he was when he was with the Marlins, he tore his meniscus trying to give a teammate a shaving cream pie in the face after a walk-off win. Don't remember that one. No, that was for the Marlins. So this one you may remember, Joel Zamaya in his rookie season in 2006, he would throw 100 miles an hour, right? The, yes. The, the tiger. Detroit, right? Yes. So he injured his right wrist. Do you remember? And missed three games. Do you remember no, how? No, I don't. I, nope, I don't. Not off the top of my head. He was playing Guitar Hero. <laughs> he was playing the video game Guitar Hero. Okay. Yeah, that so sounds he, a little familiar. But here's here's really a, here's a quality part of this, the, the wonderful coda to that story. He came back, he pitched, he had a 1.94 ERA, averaged 10.5 strikeouts per nine innings. So, on the Xbox 360 version of Guitar Hero 2, Joel Zamaya got a special message in the credits, which read, quote, No pitchers were harmed in the making of this game. Except for one, Joel Zumaya. He yeah, had it Joel coming. Damn was... <laughs> yeah, they put it in the credits. He had it coming. He had oh, it coming. that's it. that's so good. All right, I I know we have to take a break. I want to take a break, but I want to get to all these injuries, and some of which will seem familiar, and one of them is a classic. So we'll take a break. It's Saturday suckage on Monday, so we're talking about dumb baseball injuries. Which is appropriate, I think, on Saturday Suckage on Monday. We suck so you don't have to. Some of these injuries, we just couldn't help. He's Mark Grody. I'm Steve Rosenblum. Thanks for listening. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score.
The media really is, is, is terrible, man. They do some evil, evil things to create stories and to make things sound better. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago Sports Station. It was bizarre world, there's no question about it. Is this question mark in the Mysterians, Mike Rankin? I'm just a boy whose intentions are good. Don't let me please misunderstand. You like that organ in there, don't Eric, you? Yeah, I don't know. If it's, I always confuse question mark in the Mysterians and whatever Eric Burden and the animals are doing. Mike Rankin, who are you mm. playing? You do even know Mike Rankin? Yeah, no, it's the animals. You got it. The animals, it is? I always confused. But Mike Rankin, confused. Steve Rosenberg, big animals guys. Didn't realize that about... Uh, well, I guess I would have guessed that with you, Stevie Sunshine, not necessarily uh, young Mike Rankin. Well, they were a big influence on the Beatles. <laughs> Listen to you, Mr. Influence. No, I'm kidding. Influencer. That's our key back there. No, I confused him with a question mark in Mysterian, so I'm not really that big of an animals guy. I did that the other day, too. So now I'll just know. Anytime I want to say question mark in the Mysterians, 96 tears, um, then I'll think Eric Burden and the animals. Anyways, we're discussing stupid baseball injuries, and we had some texters who came up with some, like Jeff Kent washing his truck. Another one, came, <clears throat> same 815 texture, came, on, came up with, the one I wanted to mention next. In June 2005, Colorado infielder Clint Barmus. Remember the name Clint Barmus, Mark? I certainly do, because it wasn't Clint, ba- Clint Barms, because everybody thought it was right. Clint Barms. <clears throat> it was Barmus. It looked like Barms, but Barmus. Right. And yeah. he fell, and he broke his collarbone while trying to carry a package of deer meat given to him by teammate Todd Helton. Yes, I do remember that now. Yep. <laughs> Thanks, Todd. In May 2004, your Cubs, your Cubs managed by Dusty after choking away the NLCS. They would choke away a season in the last week. They lost Sammy Sosa to the DL. Do you remember this injury? Was this the sneeze? Yes. He sneezed so hard that he sprained a ligament in his lower back. You know, it's just from being so muscle-bound. I guess. How did he get those muscles, Mark? Yeah. How did yeah. he do all that working out? Flintstones, yes. remember? That's what he yeah. showed us. Mark McGuire's uh, Andro Steendione, some sort right. of cover. And Tony Arusa defending that. That's because he has respect for baseball to defend steroid-addled hitters. Right. He's a player's manager. Do you remember Steve Sparks, the knuckleballer? Yep, of course. Okay. Okay. Well, he hadn't been hadn't yet been in the majors when he tried this. He dislocated his left shoulder when he tried to rip apart the phone book. Like he's trying to do the old TV, the strongman thing. He's trying to uh. rip apart a phone book, and he injured himself. So here is regarded as the greatest DL injury, the greatest disabled list injury ever. Glenn Allen Hill. He fell through yeah. a glass table. He he it resulted in cuts and bruises to his feet, his knees, and his elbows. Do you remember what caused Glenn Allen injury to suffer all these massive cuts to his feet, knees, and elbows and go on the DL? Was it a dog? 
he had just woken up from a nightmare about spiders chasing him. He was afraid of spiders. And in his confused state, thinking it was real, he fell through the table. Glenn Allen Hill. <laughs> That's dangerous. DL man. 1990. He fell through a table, cut his knees, elbows, feet. <laughs> he had a nightmare about spiders. I mean, I'm sorry the man suffered injuries and the man hit one of the most famous home runs out of Wrigley Field and into the buildings across the street, right? Yeah, he hit it on Great class. Street, basically. Yeah, that was right. ridiculous. Yeah. So I think he broke he broke a window there, and he broke a glass table, and he ended up on the DL. Some of the all-time great injuries. I hey, don't, don't I, you need don't if you do that like if you if you're endangering yourself in your dreams like that. That's not something you just laugh off. Don't you need help? Don't you need to be, like, strapped down for your sleep or sleep in a lab or something like that? Because that's not so, oh, my God, this is pretty funny. I thought it was real. And so I fell through my, can it happen again? Did it happen again? Is Glenn Allen Hill okay right now? That's a, I, I don't know. I, that would be if a, Terry Boris was around, we'd be playing Glenn Allen Hill, dead or alive. Right? I don't know. He would be a guy, like, was at all the Cubs conventions conventions you went to? Was he ever there? Was he ever? In- I don't remember him being there. No, I don't. Where is Glenn? Where are you now, sir? I mean, seriously, like if that was an issue for him, if he didn't get help, he might be seriously injured to this day or not with us, unless he got help for that. You can't laugh that off, can you? Um, Doing dangerous you stuff to, in your you sleep. Have, just get all get all the glass, get all the glass out of your house, so you don't. You don't fall into a glass table. Yeah, that's that's quite. Can you imagine his requirements going to hotels and things? Mr. Hill has a few requirements he'd like to share with you. That's right. They they involve padding on everything. So he is. His wiki says he is 56 years old, and it lists. So he would still be alive. Why wouldn't he have ever been invited to to any of the he might have. I mean, he might have, like, I, I did yeah, cover a true. ton of those. I mean, mm-hmm. he might have been there. It's not like just because I didn't see him, that doesn't mean he wasn't there. Because there was a lot of guys who would, like, random dudes who would show up from the past. So he might have been. It's, it's possible. I don't remember him being at them, though. Because he hit that majestic home run that landed, like, either in the window or on the rooftop, somewhere across the street. Yeah. It wasn't. You mentioned Jim Hendry. The first time I met Jim Hendry was in, I want to say, 93. There was, <clears throat> baseball was going to use scab players that year, 94, 95. Then that's when it was. Yeah, the White Sox and Expos should have met in the World Series and didn't. And the season ended and the next season started late. The Baseball was going to try, so they were trying out players. So I was, the Super Bowl was in Miami. I drove three hours to Orlando. And Jim Hendry is running this tryout. If you got spikes and you got a glove, come on. We got baseballs and bats. Come on out. And I had never met Jim Hendry. He was in charge of the farm system. And and I said, so what are you doing here? And he says, we're looking for players. And we don't know what's going to happen. And I said, what players? He says, well, first thing you look for is pitching because we had too much asphalt on our pitches last year. <laughs> <laughs> 
What a great description. <laughs> I've never heard that. that I had so never good. heard. No, it's great. We had too much asphalt on our pitches. Right. So this year, anyways, here, cheap radio segue. The Cubs don't have much asphalt on their pitching. It's been one of the bright spots for a team that's sort of competing, sort of not. We will talk with Michael Cerami of Bleacher Nation. Talk about the Cubs next on your Cubs station. He's Mark Grody. I'm Steve Rosenblum. Thanks for listening. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. What would you say you do here? You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.